God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And boy, are we lucky today. We have Leonora Cravota as the co-host today. And welcome to The Scott Adams Show, Leonora. Yeah, I guess it's been a while. Great to be here. Do you miss us? Of course I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too, being and on I'm, this show. And I miss the listeners. So, so it's great to be here today with all this breaking news happening. Right, right. Well, I can always use the support. There's been so many. I get so many uh, emails and, you know, fan mail. And they're like, where's Leonore? Or our, um, Leonore definitely keeps you straight. Because I, I go <laughs> off on tangents. I get a lot of that. It's like, you know, Leonore will actually keep you on track. And, uh, and that's true, right? <laughs> it is true. But, you know, you're working on a lot of different projects that are coming up, that are big projects in the fall. We're going to be working with some big names and thing and people that are, um, going to make, you know, game changers, make a difference, uh, and uh, big-time influencers. And you're working with all those people on, on a regular basis. And so what, what do you work what, – what, what are you working on these days? Well, just a variety of different events taking place in the D.C. area and uh, – you know, again, the same thing uh, that you're doing here. You know, we, we, we have to get the word out. We have to fight back against the craziness that's going on. And we have to continue to uh, speak out because we're being censored everywhere, as we are constantly right. we'll saying. We have a lot of photographs from some of the big uh, events that we're going to be uh, that we're going to be attending in the in the fall. Yes, we've got a, and, we got a number of things coming up. Yeah. So we're looking forward to all that. Uh, so, um, you know, President Biden, or Biden, I should call him, right? I don't think he's really a duly elected president, but that's me. Anyway, Joe Biden, uh, I believe, you know, I believe he's a socialist. I believe he's a globalist. I also believe that what we're seeing play out, whether it's COVID and the World Health Organization, or whether it's Afghanistan 
and the United Nations. You know, it's always the United Nations and the World Health Organization and all these different organizations that are somehow in play. And all these are, are globalist organizations. That's all they are. And they're academic in nature. They're radically left in ideology. And they're all about treating people like pawns. And that they sit in these wheels of power in these beautiful buildings. I mean, let's face it. The United Nations was probably one of the most remarkable buildings. Mm -hmm. I remember watching, um, you and I watched, uh, Leonor, The Apartment. Yes. And The Apartment was one of our favorite old films by Billy Wilder with uh, John Lemon. Who, uh, J- Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. <laughs> not, not to be confused with John Lennon. <laughs> Jack Lemon and... Um, and uh, Sh- uh, Shirley MacLaine yeah. and Fred McMurray before he became a dad when he was right. too busy doing the, the bad guy roles. Well, that movie opens up and shows... It's a 1960 movie and shows this United Nations. Yeah. Beautiful building, but... You know, and then you look at NATO, and they have the beautiful building too. And you look at what's happened to the Olympics. You look at what's happened, you know, to all the different cultures in the world, the languages, the monetary value, uh, the monetary systems. They've all sort of gelled together. And I think that what's happening in Afghanistan was purposeful. I think it was on purpose. And I think it's part of a bigger plot, a bigger bigger plan and I think that you know it's true that getting out of Afghanistan was never going to be easy but the same the same could be true about going door to door and doing house raids you know going door to door and doing house raids is never easy no you have to you have, there's a systematic approach to going door to door and sweeping a neighborhood and making sure it's free of terrorists. They're hiding in the basement. They're hiding in a bedroom. They're hiding in a closet. And you got to go door to door with your guns, your mission. you got to go with your team. There's a systematic approach to doing it. Otherwise, you walk through a door, you get shot in the face. What's the point? Nobody ever said that was easy either. But there is a method to that madness. And it's a dangerous job. But it can be done. And I think what's easier than door-to-door evacuations and things like that is an evacuation on the scale of, say, getting people out of Afghanistan. This was long in the planning. This was long in the making. We know about this. That President Trump made it very clear that we were going to roll out. But he had systems in place, conditional principles in place. Everything was conditional. And what Biden did was he threw conditions out the window. And that was the biggest problem. And then he didn't communicate with anybody. And now what we're seeing is this separation between the president and the vice president. Kamala is hiding under a rug. And Joe Biden is pretty much hiding too. Boris Johnson tried to call Joe Biden by like 36 hours. Didn't get back to him. 30- Has he actually spoken to any other world leaders besides no, Boris Jake Johnson? No, Jake Sullivan made that clear. He said, have you spoken? Jake I meant, I meant the, uh, since that day happened. No, but Jake Sullivan did. Yeah. And Jake Sullivan is Obama's boy. Yeah. Right? So Jake Sullivan works for Obama. And so does Susan Rice. 
And I believe what is in play, and maybe not this time around, but the polls associated with Joe Biden right now, the polls, are getting crushed. I mean, he's getting crushed. And I think there's always this poll threshold. There's this poll threshold. And basically what I think is happening is that the grand plan is that, and a lot of people are talking about this, that Joe Biden will not make it to 2024. Well, and I think people talked about that before he, he even became the president, that the idea would be he would probably, in part because of his age and also in part because of the perceived incompetence, that he would probably only be a one-term president. And what we're seeing right now, and you and I have talked about this off air, Joe Biden has suddenly gone from being what we call a joke to being no laughing matter. He is the president. And we used to be, you know, give him a pass in some ways because we didn't take him seriously. We didn't take him seriously when he was the vice president. I guess he got a few kudos because he was personable. He got a lot of public sympathy for his personal tragedies, the loss of his first wife and child in a car accident. The, the more recent death of one of his sons. He got sympathy, and he played a lot of that up, a real lot, more so than is normal well, just, to do. He but just played that up uh, just, with Stephanopoulos. I know. And, 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 and when you play it that when you bring these tragedies up so often, it doesn't look as genuine. Now, I'm not trying to say, but let me make this clear, I'm not trying to say he did not suffer tragedy. Of course he did. But to use it in that type of way, it comes across as more opportunistic. And, and you know, my thought about this is, is he also came across as the, you know, average Joe, the uh, common man. I'm from, you know, I'm from Scranton and all that. But the reality is, he's actually more of an elite than the elites are, the, the traditional elites are. And he has gone from being somebody we could laugh off somebody we could make fun of because he makes gaffes, somebody who we didn't take seriously, corn pop, all that, to the man sitting in the chair, the, the place where the red phone rings. And he may not be pulling every lever, Scott, but he's got his hand on the button. And that is dangerous. And the American public and the world saw that this week. And that is why we are all in such a state of anguish, because we are realizing the reality, our worst nightmares have happened, that this man is actually the president. And you know, the only silver lining I can see in this is even some of the people from the left are realizing oh, that it that's what's matter. going on. If we don't fix the rigged elections, we're toast. Well, that is true, too. <laughs> so we got to get that. Um, and so we're going to hear more and more about the AZ audit. Um, apparently, they had a distractor yesterday. Um, this uh, this uh, bomb, this guy that threatened to blow up the Library of Congress or something. Yeah. It was like a very uh, countryfied North Carolinian. Um, and basically, uh, he, uh, Floyd Robin Rose, Rosenberry or something like that. But he, he, seemed to, he seemed like an FBI plant. It seemed like a false flag, and it disappeared really quick off the news cycle because it was a big nothing burger. And the left online are trying to compare it to... Um, they're trying to compare it to... Uh, well, they're trying to compare it to the white... They're trying to say it's white supremacy. It's, it's this radical right, alt-right stuff. And it's, it's ridiculous. And Because, you know, when, when you think about uh, the... Uh, shooter that shot up the RNC baseball team um, or you think about the guy who beat up uh, beat up uh, Rand Paul or Antifa or Black Lives Matter or you know you name it 
Um, there's no comparison. So, you know, the media, though, got a, a relief on the story of Afghanistan. And I think that was the design. I think FBI was behind it. Mm-hmm. I think it was a planned, big false flag uh, kind of deal. This is ridiculous. You know, these um, phone alerts. Uh, well, because of a potential storm. Major yeah. flooding in the D.C. area. But um, in any case. <laughs> and then you've alerted the entire home, <laughs> the entire yeah. studio. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, so uh, and, and at the same time, we get the, uh, the break uh, warning. It all happens at once. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. The thing is, is that I think it's intentional. I think all this is by design. If you think about what the globalists have done to our, our world, they've, um, they've deteriorated culture. They've blended it away. You know, like, uh, it used to be, even with our states, it used to be that when you would go to another state, like if you'd go out west or you'd go down south or you'd go up north, you would see all these different identity factors. Like when you would go to New York, you would see all these New York vendors and New York restaurants and New York personality. You go down south and you get, you know, all kinds of different personalities. And, you know, that's why people love Louisiana, because it kept a lot of its culture. Right. You know, the Cajun culture, the, Cajun the culture, French influence, so all of that. They try to keep it. But what happens more and more is you see this, you know, these conglomerates. And they always have their stores sort of like, you know, like where there's a KFC, you always see a Taco Bell and stuff like that. Where there's a Subway and then there's a Linens and Things and the Bed Bath and Beyond and whatever. It's always clustered in a certain way. They've got this blueprint down pat. Well, it's it's a way of uh, anchoring the stores. You could be down south, out west, up north, back east. And what ends up happening is you, you can't even tell where you are. It's a standardization of the um, urban environment and the suburban We call it gentrification. Well, well, it's in part gentrification, and it's also creating a uniformity to your point where there is no, nothing distinguishing about where you are. Exactly. It's, it loses its identity. And what, what, what you do when you lose your identity is you lose that creativity, that critical thinking that comes from a diverse population. And a Diversity. diverse history. And a history, like part of, to your point about New York or the South, part of the reason why people go there is not just for what's going on right now, but for what happened in the past. This was the place, this was the restaurant where X, Y, and Z happened. You know, this this is that famous cafe, all those types of things. And if all that exists right now are the same chains over and over again, you don't, you don't see that history. Yeah, I mean, there's a place in New York called Pete's Tavern where William Sidney Porter, one of my favorite writers, O. Henry, wrote Gift of the Magi in a booth. Yeah. And it just so happens to be the, pl- best, uh, the, the place where I had the best cosmopolitan uh, that I've ever had in my life. But it's in Gramercy Park. Now, if that was a TGIF Fridays, I doubt that it would have that same right. history, you know? Right. It's a, there's, a, there's a classical thing associated with it. But the idea is it's happening now not just throughout our states, it's happening throughout our world. And it's, it's driven by greed. It's driven by this corporate greed for these multinational corporations that put mom and pop out of business. So it's the globalists' ideas 
that are destroying everything that was good with the world, whether it's the Olympics or our culture, our creative thinking, our critical thinking, what we learn and derive from different experiences, if we all are zombies like the left wants us to be, or like a communist state would want us to be, compliant and complicit, if we're going to be subjected to vaccine passports that are going to eventually turn in to social credit scoring systems where your political views will, depending on the evaluator, depending on what is fake news and what is not fake news, like we've already seen it out of Jen Psaki's mouth, out of Joe Biden's mouth, the censorship crew is going to work directly with Facebook to decide truth and fiction. Well, this has Yet been the guy going that on wrote since the, the beginning. The guy that wrote that the RNA for the vaccines uh, related to COVID, Malone, I think his name yes. is, is, is basically, uh, you know, you print something of his and he gets censored or thrown off of YouTube well, you know, because it on. runs counter to what Fauci said, which is in line with the corporate greed. Well, getting back to Facebook for a quick moment, the early, in the early days of Facebook, and I thought about this recently, they talked a lot about credit scores. Um, and I don't mean financial credit scores because Facebook, if you remember, was originally a student platform. It was, you know, the technical version of uh, the student um, freshman handbooks that you used to see. So basically, um, the idea would be is you would get social credits. To, uh, to take it to the point where you are right now about the political censorship, that's already happening. If you are an organization from the right and you try to run um, uh, a, a political ad on, um, the, on Facebook, you go through so many hurdles that by the time your ad is approved, your event is over with. So that censorship is already has been going on since, the, since almost the very beginning. Yep. And it's scary because that's going to even conform us more. How are we going to innovate? Are we going to innovate? China doesn't innovate. They steal innovation. That's what they do. Or you just the reason do crowd, why they don't innovate is because they're not allowed to think outside the box. Well, that's a good point because when you talk about that, it's let's do a guaranteed crowd pleaser. Let's do something that we think the majority of people are going to find acceptable and you know and amenable. But it's not something well, that's going to cause well, them to think. It's not something that's going to. Uh, give them great passion, but it's something that's palatable. Do we want to live in a society where things are just palatable, or do we want to be truly engaged and really, you know, enjoy things on a different level? Right. And I mean, if you think about COVID, the reason why we're in this predicament, where Pfizer now has a 39% effective rate on the Delta variant, 42% effective rate on the uh, regular variant and then also uh it's just been reported by uh by the cdc that if you were an early vaccinator you're in danger yeah and that's on videotape we got that on audio and we're going to play some of this audio but you know it's it's the thing is we had listened to the people that were talking about regeneron which is being banned in some hospitals. That seems like so or, long ago, Regeneron. I, well, no, Regeneron's the newer one, but it's the one that Trump took. Well, that's why it seems like such a long time yeah, ago that no, we talked Regeneron about it. Yeah, but no, Regeneron is in the news to, today yeah. because it's being rejected. Um, and they, they have a Hippocratic uh, oath to 
uh, save a per- patient's life and Absolutely. do everything they can. And a patient should be able to get any drug that they want. You should be able to tell your doctor, no, I want this one. I want that drug. I want to take that. Sign this waiver, ma'am, and you can take it, right? Yeah. That's fine. But ivermectin, and, you know, again, Eli Lilly came out with a $1,200 ivermectin 2.0, which is very much like ivermectin, which was out of patent and cheap as dirt. $1 a pill, hydroxychloroquine, $1 a pill. If you were to take this pre, uh, therapeutic in a way that was like, take it for weeks, you would be pretty much immune. If you were told by the CDC and by the health uh, services to go outside and get sun, to lay out by the pool is one of your mandates. Mm-hmm. You know, to go out and have fun, go out and work out, go for long walks, go out to the pool, get some sun, walk around with your, you know, with minimal clothing, you know, to get as much sun as you can get. Don't wear a mask. You don't need it. The masks don't work. If they're being honest with you, 90% of the masks are not N95 masks. A lot of people can't afford all those N95 masks. No, they can't. You're starting to see some now, but you know what? I mean, the thing is, most people have these cheap blue masks that are really cheap. You know, you get a box of them, it costs next to nothing. On the side of the box, it says not to be, this does not prevent anything. Yeah. It says it. There's a warning. And the cloth masks are worse than the medical blue masks that are cheap. But none of those masks have an efficacy rating. And then they talk about, you know, there's 1,800 people have the flu this year, this past year. Guess what? 38 million had the flu the year before. Let me guess. The flu people are being counted in the COVID statistics. Yeah, so 38 million had the flu in 2019 to 2020. 2020 to 2021, 1,800 people had the flu. Yeah. Now, that's not because of the cheap mask that doesn't work. That's a lot more than that. That's, that's because they're counting every flu case yeah. as a COVID case. Right. And they're doing it on purpose. This is a globalist agenda, just like taking Afghanistan. It's intentional. So what happens is, because you can't mess up, you can't be this stupid unintentionally. It's got to be intentional. And so what is happening is they've turned this into a resettlement program where they're giving free flights to Afghanis and they're giving they're charging Americans $2000. They're charging this was in a state department report. Now they've since reversed that in the last 12 hours. Yeah, bad press helped them reverse that. Right. It was the last 12 hours they reversed it. Okay? I'm going to tell you that right up front, but what they intended to do and then what they put in a State Department document is you could get on a flight, but you'll have an IOU. You'll have to pay. A and promissory if you don't pay, note. A yes. promissory note. If you don't pay, you lose your passport. So you won't be able to travel. Yeah, talk about threatening people. So, so, so basically, they're charging American citizens 2000 bucks. They're charging these Afghans. And the reason why there's so many Afghanis that are lined up at Kabul Airport uh, you know, Karzai Airport to get on a plane out of there is because they've been promised the moon, the stars, and the earth. Right. They've been promised a new life. And also, they've you been have... promised America. 
and all the all the uh, the hope and dreams of Americans. Well, that's been going on for 20 years. And I think what you're seeing in the news a lot is is the Afghani people that are so terrified that, you know, particularly the women, that a lot of the um, rights and the opportunities that they've had no. for the last 20 years are going to be completely taken yeah. away. But this has become an opportunity yeah. for every Afghan citizen. I think that the plan was that the Afghan citizens that are loyal to Afghan Afghanistan and are getting shot up right now for waving their Afghan flag by the Taliban. Well, it's oil and water. They could never coexist. So right. my question is, why in the world are we not excavating them or exfiltrating them to Uzbekistan, yeah. which is right up the road? There's loads of that's places where, with similar that's cultures. Ghani flew to escape uh, Afghanistan. Well, you know, Scott, you and I had a similar conversation. And there's a lot of other countries they can go to besides America. You and I had a similar conversation about this a few years ago when we talked about when we suddenly had the influx of uh, refugees coming into the United States. And we were saying, well, or in con- going into Europe, we were saying, well, why don't they put them in a safe area that's closer to their country? This is very much the same type of thing. Why take people so far removed from their culture and their country um, and cause havoc? and uh, pressure on the community that they're, they're coming into, why not keep them closer by? It's much easier right. all around and much less well, uh, and expensive. It's always the same playbook. Like I said yesterday on the show, the same way that we armed ISIS is the same way we armed Taliban. Yeah. They've made off like bandits. And, you know, <laughs> Literally. For, anybody, for anybody to think that, that uh, they were caught blindsided, that we never thought that they would come early, like August 15th instead of August 31st, doesn't realize that it was in Taliban's best interest to come early. Apparently, it worked. Yeah. And apparently, if they would have waited, they would have lost all those $250,000 Humvees, up-armored Humvees. They would have lost all that night vision. They would have lost our um, bioengineering uh, facial facial, um, facial uh, recognition, recognition software, software um, with these cameras yeah. that are fancy cameras. All this high-tech stuff, these drones, helicopters, billions of dollars worth of equipment have been sent to Taliban. Do you think we did that? That that wasn't by accident. Do you think we couldn't have known that the Taliban was going to show up early, wreak havoc, and catch us off guard, and basically take all our stuff? That would have been like the first military strategy. There's a whole bunch of military strategists sitting at the Pentagon, they're probably smarter than you, me, and everybody put together. They couldn't have been this stupid to be played by a bunch of warlords, tribals, tribalmen, that are just, you know, basically from the Stone Ages. And we were outplayed by that? No, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that we were outplayed. I'm not buying that we were outsmarted. What I'm saying is it's intentional. It's intentional because we could easily put those people in a neighboring country and set up a settlement camp and get them established or migrate them back once things smooth over in Afghanistan. And there's a lot of people that could just go back into their homes and live under Taliban rule and just deal with it. But they're flooding the airports because they've been promised. And this guy on the street said to a CNN reporter at the 52nd mark, 
this. And I want to play this, actually, because this is actually quite an amazing and revealing thing um, that we're going to play here in just a second. Yeah, I, again, I think what we're seeing is while there is a push to, you know, to suddenly uh, relocate the Afghani, we've got, as we keep saying, we've got these Americans who they haven't figured out how they, they're going to get them out of there other than extortion for how much uh, for uh, charging them for promissory notes uh, for flights, which fortunately was walked back because you know, um, Kirby, uh, when he was speaking uh, for the Pentagon, he couldn't even ca- he couldn't even calculate exactly how many Americans were there because there was. There was faulty intelligence with the way they were re- registering yeah. people. I want you to take a listen to this and tell me what you think of this. You're not going to hear this clip anywhere. This was from CNN, and it's 50 seconds into a long reel. But let's take a listen. America's last foothold in Afghanistan is now guarded by the Taliban. But he doesn't want to comment on that truncheon he's carrying. The fighter tells us these chaotic scenes are the fault of America. The cause of all this is America in Afghanistan. Look at these people, he says. America's really acting unfairly towards them. Why are they lying and telling them that they can go to America? Why don't they let them stay and help their country? Now, he calls it a lie. It's actually true. And what they're doing is they're being sold this, this promissory. Well, it's it's a, basically saying you can come to America, just show up at the airport, get on a plane, we'll fly you for free. Yeah. We won't even fly our own men, citizens for free. But we'll, we'll fly, fly you, you for free. We'll put you up in a hotel or put you up in a base and we'll give you a stipend and you'll start a new life in America. But that's part of the same thing the next that thing we've you know, talked about is the globalist take, world. You drive, you ride uh, Lyft and Uber every day, right? Yep. And what is the percentage of drivers that are... Um, you know, Middle from, Eastern. From I would, I would say, good. I would say, uh, I would say, um, the amount, the percentage of drivers that are not American is probably seventy percent. I at least it might, it might even be higher. And um, and again, since I'm doing it more frequently than perhaps a lot of people, well, you're do, in a, you're in a lift every day. I'm in a lift twice. By the a way, day who's or, on the board of Lyft? Uh. Valerie Jarrett. I knew that. That's why I was going to let you say it. But yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing The thing is, and I always used to have a personal thing against Uber because I didn't like the name because it uh, bespoke elitism. That's what the word Uber means. Oh, it, what does Uber mean? Uber means it's like elite. It's like uh, the premier, the first, you know, it's, it's the whole master class type of thing. Wait, Whereas, you went to a private school growing up. So what, what, what is up with you and elitism? You don't like elitism now? Not really. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't like elitism in the sense that um, I think people should earn their, I think people should have their own personal accomplishments. They should earn their wealth. And if they inherit their wealth, it's still their wealth. I, I mean, I have no problem with any of that. No. But I don't like, what I don't like about elitism is elitism often is people who uh, do token gestures for others and try to make them themselves sound like they care about the whole world and they want to do the right thing and, blah, blah, and, they, and they make all these uh, cases out of things. But the reality is it's always a case of, yes, let me help the poor but not in my backyard yeah right and i love it when um uh, uh, a lot of these uh people that give these speeches um who's the guy from daily wire uh, the, the name is escaping me are you do you mean uh, is ben shapiro ben shapiro, ben shapiro yeah. yes of course 
Ben Shapiro does this great, you know, and you know he'll he'll say or Dinesh D'Souza does. Oh, great I love speeches. Dinesh D'Souza. And he'll ask, it's like, okay, so you know, we want to help this the, the the poor people. We want to give our money to the poor. I think we should give more money to the poor people or the uh, black people or this people or that people. Okay, how much money have you given in the last year? Nothing. Uh, nothing. It's like, well, you start, and then we'll follow you. Yeah. You lead by example. And maybe we'll follow you. Well, right? the, well it's and the, by the coerced way, elitists, giving. The elitist, that's elitism. And that guy's probably not a public school. Well, he is probably, you know, privileged. But the the idea is is that these elitists will never admit that they're elitists. No, they, well, that's the hypocrisy of it all is that, and that's when we were talking about Biden a moment ago. Biden has tried to create a long-term persona of himself of being the average Joe. And the fact that he, you know, spent much of his life in a small state of Delaware, you know, plays into this. But there, but he's not the average Joe. He, he's, been the, he's been the recipient of a lot of largesse. He's, you know, and when he comes and he talks to people like he is one of them, it's even more jarring because he really, in his mind, firmly believes that he is not. And Somebody when the put, veil comes off and you see see the way they really think, the way things are said when, you know, the, the person that you're doing the, the photo opportunity with is out of the room, then you know the truth. The one thing about Trump was Trump was always genuine when he would do something for somebody. It wasn't it wasn't just a photo opportunity. Yeah, I, I think rich or poor, people are people are going to be who they are. People are people. And, uh, you know, um, I love the tweet where they say, this is what 50 years of, DC, of, of Washington, D.C. Politica, political hack gets you. I mean, you know, somehow we were supposed to believe uh, by the media. Of course, we never believed it, but that... Joe Biden was supposed to be 50 years of experience. He's going to be like, you know, really. And, and he was supposed to be Obama's foreign policy guru. <laughs> I mean, I've always known Joe Biden to be the worst in foreign policy. Yeah. John McCain was the worst, too. They suck at foreign policy. It's just pathetic. And, uh, you know, so. But, you know, I think this is intentional. I think that it's a resettlement program. I think that uh, just what you just heard was a warrior fighter on the street basically saying what America was telling people. So the reason why you see these large crowds is not because they're desperate to get away from the Taliban. It's that they're desperate to get to America. And they've been given the incentive, just like we have done with the southern border. We're doing the same thing in Afghanistan. We're exploiting this tragedy as an opportunity. Just like Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. Well, we're making good on that. And we did the same thing in Syria. And we've done the same thing in other regions of Africa where we've replaced these people, repositioned these people. Globalists move populations around. They want to control populations. It's the reason why they want you to have a social credit score. It's the reason why they endorse vaccine passports. It's the reason why they are doing these draconian mandates that don't make any sense. That masks don't work. They lied to you about symptomatic and asymptomatic spread. They lied to you about surface spread. They don't tell you anything about stuff that's free, like sun, sunshine, or hydroxychloroquine or all these other things. And now, you know, what Trump said, 
Trump said about the booster shots, he said that's all about greed. He said this was a planned design. You know how like a refrigerator goes, or a hot water heater especially. Hot water heater has a five-year warranty. Next thing you know, five years in one day it bursts. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like they call it planned obsolescence. Yeah. You know, it's it's built into the manufacturing playbook that it's going to break and and you're going to have to buy a new one. Yes. Yeah, you got you can, you got to make it last past five years, but you can't make it last past six years. Yeah. You know that way we're going to constantly get a, a new you purchase. Um, I believe that plan obsolescence is, is where they're planning to fail because they know what the crisis is going to result as a result of their failure, and they know what opportunities. So they're ahead of the curve. And the only people that know this are the people writing the plan. Yeah. Like Jake Sullivan knows, Obama knows, all these people know. So they cash in. They invest early. They understand. You know, it's, it's like sort of like, you know, when uh, someone knows that they're going to, you know, basically take a swampland and de-certify de- uh, it as swampland and make mm-hmm. it, you know, a shopping mall. You know, to, to, to date myself, yeah, um, or you know, put a highway yeah. through it, and so there's a highway plan. But before they do that, they buy up all the land as swampland, mm-hmm. at pennies on the dollar, and next thing you know, they lift the ban, uh, the the certification on swampland. Yeah, it now becomes developmental land, and next thing you know, they're sitting on huge windfalls of cash yeah. as a result of it. That's been done in politics forever. You know, um, so we talked about Biden leaving ally UK, uh, you know, Boris Johnson behind, but he's been missing in action on that. Um, I want to play a clip, though, when he talks about Bo. So he was talking about Bo, and this was one of the clips that got XX um, cut, edited. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, as my uh, mother used to say, it ended up on the cutting room floor, even though we don't have cutting room floors anymore. I was looking for for my wordsmith to give me the words that I needed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did cutting room floor. So. All right. So this is uh, this is something I actually read. I was going to read it to you. And then I found out that Tucker Carlson did it. And so I said, well, I think Tucker Carlson will do a better job reading this than I I can. So let's take a listen to Tucker Carlson. Toward the end of his interview with ABC, there was a telling exchange. That exchange was never broadcast on camera. Now, television networks edit interviews very often for time. But ABC News appears to have chosen to edit out portions that made Joe Biden look, how to put it, not presidential, incoherent, confused. We think it's worth knowing what happened, especially in a moment of national crisis. So we're going to read from the transcript that we were provided. And here it is. George Stephanopoulos. I think of a lot of Americans, even a lot of veterans who served in Afghanistan, agree with you on the big strategic picture. They believe we had to get out. But I wonder how you respond to an Army Special Forces officer, Javier McKay. He did seven tours. He was shot twice. He agrees with you. He says, we have to cut our losses in Afghanistan. But he adds, I just wish we could have left with honor. Here's Joe Biden's response. Look, that's like asking my deceased son, Bo, who spent six months in Kosovo and a year in Iraq as a Navy captain and then major. I mean, as an army major. And, you know, I'm sure he had regrets coming out of Afghanistan. 
I mean, out of a rock. He had regrets to what's how it's going. But the idea, what's the alternative? End quote. Now, we're waiting for that tape, but that's the transcript. Now, the president's son was in the Navy, not the Army. He was in the Army, not the Navy. It's not clear from that. We believe he was in the Army, not the Navy. He did not serve in Afghanistan. He served in Kosovo and Iraq. Joe Biden can't seem to remember those details. We're not attacking him. We're not telling you this with glee. We're telling you because it's true. This is the man leading our country. Yeah. And they, you, I, I, I'm, I'm speechless because I think what you have here is it's very frightening that you now have the media protecting Joe Biden where, you know, if Trump, you know, coughed, they would make a big deal out of well, it. Look at Hunter Biden. Yeah. Well, look Hunter. at Hunter. Exactly. I mean, yeah, and, but the other the thing, Russian call girl, the. Yeah. The China, it's unbelievable what's it, been going on. It also, Scott, it also further reinforces that his earlier statements um, this week about Afghanistan, where he did hold it together, it was apparent that he was reading. And, oh, he read the and, whole thing and he, he's squinting. And, and he's reading. squinting. The squinting could, you know, was showing. No, you Jake know. Sullivan wrote that. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying he's supposed to write every word. He's the president, but that's not the point. The With point Obama's is Obama's approval. But the, but the point is here he's um, in a situation where when he's having a conversation, he can't focus if he's um, if he's doesn't have a script in front of him, and that's a scary thing. Well, how are you going to face off to world leaders if you, you need a script? You need talking points. Not so much. Oh, absolutely. So. You know, a person I like a lot was in the Trump administration, Steve Miller. Yes, I like him a lot, too. Yeah. And uh, one thing he said, he said Biden took all the conditions that had been established under the Trump administration and just left unconditionally. And that ultimately precipitated in everything that we've seen. And that was featured in a uh, article over at the Federalist called Why the Taliban are now in charge of America's Afghan Afghan. Evacuation, And the answer to that why is what he just said, is that um, that uh, all the conditions, see, conditions versus unconditioned, yeah. unconditionally. And Taliban sees the opportunity. And again, I think it's by design. I think that they did it on purpose to get these refugees. And they're going to get enough to send them Wisconsin. They're going to flip Wisconsin. So while... We might be able to get a fix on the election fraud and mm-hmm. avoid election fraud in the future and restore election integrity. By the time we do that, the Democrats are working on population control. Yeah. They're working on changing the demographics. They're working on, like I say, Louisiana has a liberal governor. That's a statewide election. It wasn't long ago that Missouri had Claire McCaskill a statewide election. The reason why statewide elections are important is because we, all, we know that Ilhan Omar couldn't win in Minnesota. She won a district, a Somalian district, but she couldn't win. And we know that uh, a lot of these district winners couldn't win statewide. Yeah, We get that. But the statewide, you know, that's what a president has to win is a statewide election. And so if you look at Missouri... And you look at how close Missouri is to electing a Claire McCaskill, which they did. And you look at the fact that Louisiana has a Democrat governor right now. And the Alabama's not that far out of play. 
because you know they went with um, Doug Jones uh, for a Senate seat, yeah. right? And and South Carolina was even ripe for the picking. Lindsey Graham had a little bit of a tough time, right, pulling off that win. But there's a lot of other states, Arizona, you know, and that, I would actually say that Colorado is a red state. I think that what happened was Colorado, though, about as soon as they went with mail-in balloting, that state became blue. We got to end mail-in balloting and go back to in-person voting. And we got to treat mail-in ballots with as an exception, like absentee ballots, like we've done for the last century, or last 50 years at least, 60 years, 70 years. It's the way it's always been done. If you wanted to vote by mail, you had to make a special request. You were in the hospital, you were away at school, you were uh, overseas in the military. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things. But, you know, we gotta, we got to get back to restoring election integrity. This whole thing about trying to suggest that, you know, black people are be suppressed, I think is an insult to black people. And it has been Kamala for years. Kamala Harris said that rural people couldn't make a photocopy. She, she also thinks Kinko still exists. Next thing you know, this rural guy comes up and does a video conference while he's trying to blow up the library yesterday, right? <laughs> no, I think that was an FBI agent. You know, but uh, whatever, you know. But, uh, yeah, so, and then Steve Miller also said this. He was responding to um, Kaylee McEnany, the White House press speaker for uh, Trump. Yeah. In Biden's America, everything is free except an evacuation from Afghanistan, a terrorist-ridden mess he created. Look for yourself. And right there it says, flight costs. And this is a document. It says, in a State Department document on usembassy.gov, Reparation flights, repatriation flights are not free, and passengers will be required to sign a promissory note, a loan agreement, and may not be eligible to renew their U.S. passports until the loan is repaid. The cost may be $2,000 or more per person. Do you believe that? And as we said earlier in the show, that has been walked back because right. of such negative PR about this. I mean, that it's, was just it's extortion. I mean, it's, it's it's terrible. Yeah, and this was posted 15 hours ago. Yeah. So this is in the last 10 hours. They've changed that. Yeah, well, and, um, there, was no, there, there was no way that that would have stood. So Steve Miller says, if you're an illegal alien breaking into America, you get free flights and free lawyers. But if you're an American citizen trying to escape Biden's disastrous withdrawal, from Afghanistan, then you better pony up some cash. Biden's America, America last. That's what it's all about, right? That's what he. That's what he's done. And um, again, this level of stupidity has got to be on purpose. So the Afghanistan debacle has exposed the moral bankruptcy of the West. In the face of actual violence from real terrorists, the best our tech immediately can do is mutter inane platitudes. The fall of Kabul is exposed in horrifying and dramatic fashion the incompetence and folly of the Biden administration. The reports of images coming out of Afghanistan are dire. As many as 10,000 Americans are trapped. Moreover, tens of thousands of Afghans who worked with the U.S. military are also trying to leave before the Taliban find them and kill them. 
The White House seems to have no plan to get any of these people out, and the Pentagon has suggested it might not be able to do so. They suggested their limitations. Yeah. Apparently there was uh, arguments about what department was funding the departure of the Americans. And, you know, and, and this is such a travesty because why are Americans in Afghanistan to begin with? It's certainly not to go on vacation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's to help. It's, you know, for diplomatic or military missions. Well, the Federalist also wrote another article unrelated to um, Afghanistan. It says, I'm not going to wear a mask in a country where no one is dying of COVID. Wearing a mask to save lives, even though nobody is dying from COVID, is on caliber with calling a man she because he play acts as a woman. <laughs> so, I mean, the point is is that you never hear the shortage of uh, ventilators anymore. No, you don't. You know, or you just, all these things, you know, it's like the whole thing is different. You hear about these people getting COVID, nobody's dying of it. Yeah. And the people that are had an under, you know, another condition. Um, and for those people, they should wear masks. But for the for the most part, there should not be a mask mandate. There's nothing quite like the feeling of being ordered to do something absurd and be being helpless against it. That was exactly the feeling that washed over my many residents of Dane County, Wisconsin, on Tuesday, when an unelected decision maker decreed that just two days later a mask would be required for entry into virtually every indoor space. And this brings me to New York. Yeah. De Blasio is going to end New York as it exists right now. Yeah. Because he's requiring that you have a vaccine passport to get into New York. And so the restaurants and businesses are suing the city of New York. Yeah. But I don't know how you get away with that. Especially with the news that it's got a 39% efficacy rate. Pfizer. Well, well, and also the thing is, in some cases, and you and I were saying this off air, in some cases you you put a restaurant at risk because when you have a scenario where you're suddenly refusing people service because they don't, like, you could have tourists coming in, you could have people caught in the middle of things, and, and if you're suddenly making these requirements, yes, I know they were publicly announced, but, you know, mobs don't reason. And there could be people that are, that get violent and you know put the the restaurants or the real retailers no, that's, at uh, risk. that's a piece that i didn't think of yeah and the, the, the restaurateur said that and yeah they said people are starting to get really agitated like we have to deny them service right and they're getting violent yeah well they're getting and I, I don't really blame them their frustration's got to be through the roof well, as mine is well think about it when you have some type of shortage or outage and everybody's trying to get food uh you, you um, a mob mentality happens well imagine if you have people going around and they and the doors are being slammed in their face and yeah they'll argue and say oh we told everybody but still there are going to be people who didn't know they're going to be still be situations where they're going to say oh that's not an acceptable form or whatever and when you start creating that then we're no longer um a society of commerce we have become a police state and to see you know one of the greatest cities in america become a a police state it just breaks my heart so i'm going to read a couple of tweets trisha flanagan writes i'm fighting for for uh, i'm fighting the democrats this is where we feel like we're tired right right says because it's not just the democrats I'm fighting the Democrats, the rhinos, the rhino establishment, the teachers union, the globalists, 
the military-industrial complex, the medical totalitarians, and the economic socialists. Let's win. Charlie Kirk writes, Daily reminder that the Taliban is allowed uh, in Twitter, but President Trump isn't. Yeah. And that's why they even said they encouraged following Taliban. Yeah, I don't Twitter. get that. I want I want somebody I, to I heard explain. That on Fox yeah, News. I did too. I want somebody to explain the rationale of that to me. Claudia Tenney writes, Joe Biden will put illegals on airplanes and even house them in hotels if they come to, into America via the southern border. If you're an American citizen in desperate need to get home, they'll charge you two grand. Stephen Miller writes, the people who have so far benefited the most from Biden, the Biden presidency, drug cartels, human traffickers, and the Taliban. Yeah. And the two countries that have benefited the most, if you ask Russia, they got their Nord Stream pipeline into Germany, right? Yeah. So they got the Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh, at the expense of the Keystone pipeline and the 10,000 or the thousands and tens of thousands of workers that were working those pipelines. Yeah. And China benefits because they're now going to get all these precious metals to make their batteries uh, over um, in China because they now have access, free reign access to Afghanistan thanks to 20 years of, of loss of life, limb, blood, sweat, and tears, and financial treasure uh, in Afghanistan leading up to our 20th anniversary. You know, I don't know how they're going to spin that anniversary. I don't know uh, either given that we're worse now than we were then. Yeah. Uh, thanks to our stupid intelligence apparatus, our stupid State Department, and all these libtards that represent a lot of the American bureaucracy have run this country into the ground. So um, Charlie Kirk wrote this. He said, Just heard from a pastor friend, a Christian missionary family was slaughtered last night by the Taliban. This is on Joe Biden. And they basically said, no, Americans are going to be fine. And then they weren't fine. Yeah. They're being slaughtered. So they lied to us again and again and again. And um, in any case, I want to say one more thing. I want to read this Julie Kelly one. It says, you could see the similarities between Afghanistan debacle and COVID approach. When the experts were proven wrong, when the strategies didn't work, when the results were the opposite of what was promised, instead of owning up to failure, the ruling class doubled down. Yeah. Now, that's exactly right. Well, hey, Leonora, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. And it was great to be here again. You're never here enough, that's for sure. So, um, well, I'm really grateful for that. I want to uh, direct people to over to buglecall.org, magapack.org, to see what we're doing about America First policies to make America great again. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cavada. And we'll see you next time on the video. Bye bye. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.